The Seahawks were back in game action at Lumen Field on Saturday. What went down and how did the quarterbacks play? I'm going to be breaking it all down on the latest installment of Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks. Your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked on Seahawks. Thanks as always for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. Got a bonus Saturday episode on tap. The Seahawks hosting their first mock scrimmage of the new season at Lumen Field today. A close look at both quarterbacks vying to replace Russell Wilson, all the new rookies getting their first game action, and much more. So I'm going to be diving into some takeaways, particularly how those quarterbacks played and the rookies as well, plus three up, three down. Going to be doing this every week after the games conclude. Which players bolstered their stock, performed well today, and which ones didn't necessarily do the same in this mock scrimmage game. So our listeners, I apologize for having this come up late. We're supposed to do the show earlier. Connection just simply was not working at Lumen Field. So had to figure that out so we can do those shows after games this season, and I think we will get it figured out. But without further ado, Let's get to it. Now for your lead story here on this bonus episode of Locked on Seahawks. The Seahawks were back on the game field for the first time this season on Saturday, hosting their first mock scrimmage at Lumen Field. And this is a great opportunity to see a number of newcomers, the rookies coming in, their first action in game situations. And of course, Drew Locke versus Geno Smith. And that's going to be the million dollar question here over the next few weeks. Who is going to emerge as the starting quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks, all eyes were on Locke and Smith today. And number two, this is the first time that Drew Locke has really been able to close the gap on Geno Smith, maybe even make this an even race after today. He was that impressive. Looking at the stat line, Drew Locke completed 19 out of 27 pass attempts, 185 yards, had a touchdown pass to Cody Thompson. On the other side of the coin, Geno Smith, 10 for 19, just a little over 50%, under 95 yards passing and no touchdown passes. Now, this isn't to say that Geno Smith didn't do anything well today. His opening drive playing with the first-team offense was extremely impressive. He was 6 for 8 on that drive. Three of those completions were to DK Metcalf. Two of those went for first downs. He had another first down toss to Tyler Lockett, and then Rashad Penny capped off a really good methodical drive with a short touchdown run that ended up putting the blue team up 7-0. But after that point, things were a bit more shaky for him. On his second drive, he did lead the offense down and had him in position to score a touchdown, and unfortunately, a couple of bad reads nearly get intercepted by Tariq Woolen, and they had to settle for a Jason Myers field goal, and that was with the twos around him, the second team. And that's how they handled today's scrimmage. They had their first quarterback on the depth chart, Geno Smith, play with the ones and the twos. And then they were flip-flopping which defenses they were against. So when he was with the ones, he was going to get the second team defense. And then when he was with the second team offense playing the starters, the perceived first team defense. And so the quarterbacks each got two series in a row. Drew Locke then came out after that. And Locke was fantastic in his first two drives, led the Seahawks to touchdowns on both of them, started off 10 for 10 in today's mock scrimmage. 
Now, I'll get to this a bit later, but the 10th completion certainly had some good luck bestowed on him. But really, I was impressed by everything I saw from Drew Locke today. He was playing with poise. He was moving well in and out of the pocket. He extended a few plays as a scrambler to throw, also tucked and ran a few times in a few designed runs. He was playing with confidence. He had command of the offense. And maybe the thing that I was most impressed about, because this has kind of been the narrative surrounding Drew Locke his entire NFL career. He's a gunslinger, and he likes to take his shots downfield. Sometimes he takes risks when he doesn't need to. And today there were a few instances where you could tell he wanted to pull the trigger. There were some receivers running downfield, namely one play at Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, both screaming downfield on vertical routes. And he pump faked and decided, you know what? They've got two defenders underneath. This would not be a smart throw. I'm going to dump it off to Kenneth Walker the third out of the backfield. And I'm going to just get a few yards. Second and seven is better than second and 10 or an interception. So he made some really smart decisions with the football. I thought he threw with pretty good anticipation most of the day. There were a few misses, especially in the third quarter. They were supposed to do a full game, ended up having halftime, and then they went right to the fourth quarter. It's almost like Thanos snapped his uh, fingers. It was like, third quarter, be gone. But there wasn't a third quarter. That fourth quarter was rough for both quarterbacks. Drew Locke didn't play as well after the intermission, but those first three drives that he had, Came out red hot, 15 for 18 on those drives. Had the touchdown that he threw to Cody Thompson. Was just wheeling and dealing the football all over the place. Throwing with accuracy, anticipation. Looked like he was in command of the offense. As for Geno, I felt the same way in his first drive. I thought that he was doing a good job being decisive with the football, unloading it quickly. But it seemed like after that, and this has been a common theme in some of the training camp practices too, For whatever reason, it seems like Geno Smith is just a hair too late getting rid of the football on a number of passing patterns, and it's allowing corners to sneak under and get their hands on the football. Josh Jones had an interception in a training camp practice this week on a throw that Geno needed to unload way earlier than what he did. So there are some question marks in that regard. We didn't see that in the regular season last year from Geno, uh, but that's certainly something to keep an eye on, and Locks had a few throws like that as well. Uh, But it's been a bigger issue for Geno Smith, and you could see that pop up in today's scrimmage. But overall, this clearly was a day that belonged to Drew Locke. He was the better quarterback of the two, and it was a level playing field. Both guys got extensive reps with the first-team offensive line and the second-team offensive line in front of them. Drew Locke, three of his first drives, or three of his four drives, were against first-team defenders. And so this was the first time, really, all of training camp that he's got an opportunity to do that. He's mostly been playing against second and third stringers. And for him to go out there, and yeah, there were a few pieces missing. Jordan Brooks wasn't out there. That's a huge loss in the middle of the defense for the Seahawks. Sidney Jones had a great camp, and he's out with concussion symptoms. So he did not play in this game. There were some missing pieces, but Quandre Diggs and Jamal Adams were out there. Most of the defensive line was out there. Daryl Taylor was out there. Still some really good corners on the outside. And so for Drew Locke to go out and play the way that he did today, Pete Carroll was noncommittal after the game about how reps are going to be divvied out from here. And and the Seahawks are not going to disclose that. They've got a plan in place. But I don't see how coming out of this that Drew Locke is not getting more opportunities when they return to the practice field to take snaps with the first-team offensive line and get more snaps with DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and the top receivers for the Seahawks. It feels like after today, he has absolutely earned that. And I think that Drew Locke has gotten progressively better as camp has gone on the first seven practices. He started off rough the last few days, 
hasn't been perfect, maybe hasn't even been great. There have been mistakes have been made, but he is doing a better job getting the football out, making smart decisions, being accurate. You can see that the chemistry is building. So now Geno Smith's got to be the one that's got to pick it up. He's got to get back to what he was doing early in camp and, and really deliver consistently under center because the Seahawks are counting on him with his experience in this offense and the experience playing with some of these players. You're expecting that he's going to complete more than 55, 56% of his passes. He was almost a 70% passer last season. And so he's going to have to figure this out, watch the film, see where things went wrong. And, and not all this was on Geno either. There were some things on offense that impacted his ability. He had pass rushing pressure on him a number of plays too. So that is going to contribute to the low completion rate. But certainly there were a number of throws that he was delayed getting the football out. And that has been an issue for the last week or so. It's been pretty prominent on the practice field. He's got to clean that up, process a bit a little bit quicker, get the ball out a little bit quicker. And if he can do that, he's still got a chance to hold on to the starting job. Right now, I would still say he's probably out in front, but not by much. Drew Locke has closed that gap. A pretty darn impressive performance for him. And like he said after the game, he would have liked a few throws back late. He had a bomb to Bo Melton that it was just a hair too far, didn't get quite enough air under it. That would be one of the throws he absolutely would want back. If he would have hit on that one, it probably is a 62-yard touchdown pass to Bo Melton in that final quarter. So he was far from perfect, but it was a big stepping stone for him as he continues to get more comfortable in this offense. And this clearly now can become a competition. The Seahawks have to make it a competition where both these guys are getting reps behind the first-team offensive line, playing with the best receivers, tight ends, and running backs so that we have a fair level playing field. And I expect that that's what's going to happen coming out of this mock scrimmage. Up next here on our Saturday edition of Locked on Seahawks, I'm going to check out some other observations away from the quarterback position, who stood out on offense, some takeaways on the defensive side of the football as well. This episode is brought to you by betonline.net, the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events, the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, and the NHL. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information, whether it's live in-game betting, scores, or podcasts. They have you covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. BetOnline, where the game starts. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Saturday edition. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Thanks, as always, for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. I greatly appreciate it. The Seahawks had their mock scrimmage game today at Lumen Field. The Navy team winning a somewhat low-scoring affair, 17-13, as the Seahawks post on their social media. Got out with the victory. Didn't have to worry about that. But there were a lot of big plays today. The quarterbacks, all eyes were on them, but a number of other players stood out, particularly the rookies. And on the offensive side of the football, Ken Walker the third. you can't say enough about the juice that this incoming rookie brings to the equation, not just as a runner, but as a receiver and even a kick returner. The Seahawks look like they have some interest in trying him out on special teams. And that didn't necessarily sound like something that people on social media were too excited about this morning when I tweeted about Walker getting some reps in pre-practice for the game, returning kicks. But if he's not going to be the starting running back, which right now Rashad Penny looks like he is going to be the guy, he's going to be your feature back, then 
if you're looking for an upgrade in that position, Ken Walker III with his explosiveness, even with his lack of experience, he hasn't returned to kick any games since his freshman year at Wake Forest, but this guy's got sub-4-4 speed, and he's got suddenness and quickness, change of direction skills galore. He could be an outstanding kick returner potentially for the Seahawks, so they're taking a look at him, but didn't necessarily have great numbers on the ground today. None of Seattle's running backs finished with more than 20 rushing yards today, and none of them finished with better than a 3.8 yards per carry average. So wasn't like it was Wednesday where they were picking up big chunks of yardage on the ground. It was hard to move the ball with the run game today. Still, there were several runs by Kenneth Walker III where he didn't have a lot to work with, and he really impressed. One in particular, the first scoring drive, for Drew Locke. After he had marched him down the field, he hit DK Metcalf on a 25-yard seam route, a beautifully thrown football that was between the slot corner and an oncoming safety and coverage. Seattle's at the four-yard line, and Ken Warren the third at first looks like he's bottled up on an off-tackle run, but he sticks his cleats in the turf, bam, cuts outside, and then ends up jogging into the end zone, and you can just see the burst, the acceleration, the quickness. He has it all as a ball carrier. He caught four passes out of the backfield for 29 yards, had a couple first down receptions with those plays. You can see the after the catch capability that Michigan State and Wake Forest, for that matter, never used with him at the college level. So you coupled the running ability with the underrated pass catching ability. Didn't get a chance today to see where he fits in with pass protection. That is still the one major question mark in his game. And at some point with the pads now being out, we're going to see where he fits in that regard. That was a struggle for him at Michigan State. But if he can show he can do that on top of his rushing and receiving ability, he looks the part of an every down back, which is really good news when you're looking for insurance behind Rashad Penny, eventual starter in the backfield. Ken Walker III looks exactly to be just that. You couple in the special teams value on top of that potentially. He's going to play a big role for this team. Might not be a starter right away, but he's going to play a lot of snaps. And as I mentioned, the run game today, the numbers were not pretty. It was tough. And these scrimmages, it's really difficult because you can't bring guys to the ground. And even though offensive and defensive alignment are playing full throttle in these games, there's still some things that are not like Sunday contests that we're getting in the regular season. So you can't get a full evaluation. That being said, I wouldn't put too much stock in the rushing numbers in regard to trying to evaluate the offensive line. And I wouldn't misjudge the way that they played. I thought overall the first offensive line looked pretty solid most of the day. They did a good job protecting Geno Smith and Drew Locke, particularly Drew Locke. It seemed like all day he had really good protection in front of him. The second string offensive line wasn't quite as consistent in the pass pro, but I thought they did a little better job in the run blocking department. I still think there's a lot to be excited about with these offensive lines. There are going to be growing pains. There's no question about that, especially if you start a pair of rookies at the tackle positions in Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas. There are going to be some struggles in regular season games. You've got a new center in Austin Blythe that knows the system, but still, new center. Your guard positions you're feeling pretty darn good about, but there are some question marks. This is going to be a group that many are going to look at going into the season. They're near the bottom in almost every ranking. And you can understand with the lack of experience and the past track record why that's the case. But as Pete Carroll mentioned after the game, even without looking to the film, generally from what I could tell in the press box, both offensive line groups seemed to be doing pretty well. And they held up well in pass protection. The run blocking was solid, not great. Certainly didn't help the guys behind them, but it wasn't a disaster either. I thought the offensive line looked solid. 
they'll need them to take further steps in the preseason games, especially that first unit as they try to figure out who the five starters are going to be. But overall, a pretty pleased first effort from the offensive line for the most part. On the defensive side of the football, as I mentioned, for the most part with the offensive line, there's one reason why you could look at the pass protection and shake your head a little bit, and it's number 52, Daryl Taylor. He is just a different animal this year than what he was a year ago. Last year was really his rookie season. He missed his entire 2020 campaign trying to recover from leg surgery. Didn't play a single down. Last year came in kind of light, around 245, 250 pounds. I bet he's around 260 right now. And our listeners that have been to any of the training camp practices can attest to that. He just looks like a different dude out there. The personality seems different. He's getting fired up. He's jawing a bit more. He's gotten into a few altercations at practice. And so he's been mixing it up. And man, the first step that Daryl Taylor brings off the edge, playing that outside linebacker position in this 3-4 defense, is truly elite. And he's shown it during their practices. And then today you could see it in the scrimmage. Had a couple of pressures where he was in the backfield instantly. The jump that he got, you had to feel bad for the tackle across from him because I don't know how you're supposed to get in your pass set and be able to block that when Daryl Taylor's already in the backfield right after the snap. And he's done this time and time again during the training camp practices. He did it today. There was one play in particular. Geno Smith ended up getting a completion on the pass to Derek Young, and it moved him into close to red zone territory. But Daryl Taylor was already well past Jake Curhan, and I think it was a pretty blatant hold that was not called by the officials. Curhan had his hands wrapped on him, and he dragged him down. It looked like a semi-tackle that was put on Daryl Taylor, and it's because of that speed that he brings to the table. You just can't get your hands on him cleanly to make a block, and you can't slide your feet to stay in front of him. His ability to get upfield and bend saw it on several pressures today wreaking all kinds of havoc. Again, he just looks like a different dude this year. He was good last year, had six and a half sacks, but he has taken it to another level physically, technique-wise, his speed. He just looks faster than he did last year, and he was an explosive athlete last season. He's just He is in a much better place than he was coming off that lost season that he missed trying to recover from that surgery. He's fully healthy, and he looks like he is going to be a dynamic force anchoring this pass rush, really has a chance to have a special third season, really second season playing in the NFL for the Seahawks. And in the secondary, with Sidney Jones out, he's been out the last couple days dealing with concussion symptoms. I think a lot of people expected that Kobe Bryant was going to get the first team reps in his place. But the Seahawks, when they bring in rookie corners, they like to stick them to one side initially, and then eventually they'll teach them to play both sides. Kobe Bryant's mostly played on the left side. The Seahawks slid Artie Burns over to Sidney Jones' spot on the left side, and they instead installed Tariq Woolen, who's coming to the NFL. Everybody's saying that, you know, the narrative, he's raw. This guy's a long way away from being able to play on Sundays defensively. He's only played two years of corner in Conference USA, he's going to be a project, and he continues to exceed expectations playing with that first defense on the right side. I've said it time and time again, this guy is one of one when you're talking about size, length, and athleticism at corner. It's 6'4", 33.5 inch arms, 426 speed. This is a guy that is created on Madden playing on an NFL field, and the Seahawks have him out there. There were so many questions about how quickly he would take to the technique, and Every day, in and out, he is making 
a statement about where he stands right now. And he's put himself in a position where he is clearly a prime contender to start for the Seahawks early this season. And today, all he did is go out in the second drive, going against Marquise Goodwin, world-class speed, former U.S. Olympian. And he's been all over him at practice dating back to OTAs. You can see the speed, this natural speed, the natural movement skills, sticking with Marquise Goodwin and took away a comeback route. Geno Smith ended up throwing it into the ground incomplete. A couple plays later, Smith tries to test him again on a go route, almost got intercepted. In fact, Woolen afterwards said, hey, I picked that off. And they said they dropped it, but he's claiming he intercepted. It was a great play, pass breakup that forced the Seahawks to settle for a Jason Myers field goal. And then later in the game, this is maybe the best play that he made, and yet it led to a touchdown for the other team. Drew Locke takes a snap from shotgun, and he noticed beforehand, hey, Tariq Woolen is in press coverage. I'm going to attack him with this fade route. And he was going to Cody Thompson. He thought he had him, and Woolen made up ground, recovered, was in perfect position, got his long arms up while shielding the receiver legally, got his hands on the football, and he thought he had a pass breakup, but the ball got knocked straight up in the air. And by the time Woolen turns around, he sees that Cody Thompson is sprawled out on the turf, hands extended, and he has the football in his hands. He caught the deflected pass after it popped up in the air, dove for it, and scored six points. And so sometimes it's just better to be lucky than good, and that was certainly the case there. But Tariq Woolen did everything right on that play. The technique was there. He did it legally. He didn't get his hands all over the receiver, got his hands up, was able to pop the ball up in the air. 99% of the time, that is an incompletion and a win for the defense. This just happened to be that 1% play that ended up going in the offense's favor, and Drew Locke gets the touchdown to Cody Thompson. That moved into 10 for 10 on the afternoon at that point, but certainly no shame for Tariq Woolen there, and he continues to play at a very high level on the outside. He keeps making plays like this on the practice field. About a week ago, this was, hey, this, you know, Tariq Woolen is exceeding expectations. Maybe he'll be able to play sometime during his rookie season. Now the narrative is shifting. How do we keep this guy off the field? Sidney Jones and Artie, Jones, Artie Burns have played really well to this point. But if you've got a rookie with Tariq Woolen's skill set and his athleticism that is playing this well, and he's on a rookie deal, it's going to be really hard for Pete Carroll and Carl Scott and Sean Desai. They're going to have a really hard time not keeping this guy off the field. So the narrative just keeps shifting. It went from being a curiosity going into camp to, you know, maybe he's going to be ahead of schedule to maybe Tariq Woolen can be a starter here. It's still early in camp. We'll see how he responds as camp progresses. We get into preseason games against other teams. Maybe then there will be some struggles and the Seahawks will be like, okay, let's take the foot off the pedal. He's not quite ready for this. But right now, Tariq Woolen just keeps making plays, keeps impressing, and he is positioning himself to be a viable contender for one of those two starting spots. And that should be an exciting development for Seahawks fans. All right, let's shift in, and we're going to do this every single week on our post-game shows. Three up, three down, looking at three players that bolstered their stocker in the regular season, three players that played well, and three players that didn't necessarily have a great afternoon. So we're going to start on the positive side of things as far as players that had really good performances today. I want to start on the offensive line with Abraham Lucas. 
He has only had two days where he has been a first team right tackle up till yesterday. He had been playing with the second team unit. Most of those practices were non-padded. So you really didn't get a chance to see where he fit into that tackle group and, and that battle that's taking place between him, Jake Curhan, and Stone Forsyth. Today was really the first day that we got to look at where he fits in physically with the pads being on. Yesterday's practice was non-padded. Can't gauge too much. He got beat up field a few times. But you can see the footwork. You can see the athletic traits that were displayed at the Combine and at the Senior Bowl. You can see the technique, all the pass protection reps he had at Washington State. You can see all of that in the field. And I thought there were some encouraging run blocks from Abraham Lucas today with that first team, even though it didn't necessarily net a lot of yardage for the running backs and they were having a hard time moving the line of scrimmage. I saw several blocks where Abraham Lucas was able to create some push at the line of scrimmage, which you couldn't necessarily say for some of the other tackles on Seattle's roster today. So I was encouraged by that. That's a big question mark. Hasn't had his hand in the dirt very much, but he looks like he's comfortable doing it. You can see the athleticism. He got beat up field a few times in pass protection, but overall held up just fine. Looked pretty good in his first game action in pads, going against some pretty athletic pass rushers for the Seahawks. So that's a good omen. Another rookie that is stepping up to the plate and looks pretty good right now. That performance, I think, is going to position him next week where he and Jay Curran, maybe they can split up reps. It's been largely Curran at this point, but now it feels like it's kind of like the quarterback position. We're going to be giving a lot of reps to both players with that first team line and really heat up this competition. Now, on the outside, another rookie. I'm going to keep bringing up rookies because we hadn't seen a lot of these guys play in game action. You could put a couple of receivers here. I thought Cody Thompson had a fairly solid day. But I'm going to go with Derek Young, just because we're talking about a seventh-round pick coming from Lenore Ryan, who has made some plays during training camp to this point. This was not necessarily a surprise, because unlike Bo Melton, and Melton has had some nice routes the past few days. Maybe he's starting to turn things on a little bit. Drew Locke could have given him that long touchdown today with a little better throw. But Derek Young has been the player of the two that has consistently been making plays. There's been a few drops sprinkled in there, but he's shown he's a blocker. His background playing in a wing T offense, he's a physical player. You've seen the blocking from him. You've seen him mix it up on their special team stuff. He's made several catches pretty much every day. And today, he had two receptions for 29 yards. That first one, Geno Smith probably is going to get sacked in a game situation because Jake Curran did get beat by Daryl Taylor. Then he kind of slowed down a little bit, got taken to the ground. You could have called a penalty there. But what I was intrigued by with that play, you can see the after-the-catch ability. Geno Smith gets the ball to Derek Young sitting in the middle of the field. He turns up field, turns on the afterburners. That 4-4 speed, the sub-6-9 three-cone uh, quickness, you could see that after the catch. And I would have been curious to see what that looked like if they were tackling because this is a really strong guy with a thick, powerful lower body. He can break tackles. That might not have been a fun meeting for the safeties and the corners that were trying to catch up to him inside the five-yard line to make a tackle. So really intrigued to see him in an actual preseason game where he fits in. He continues to be impressive on the outside and maybe staking a claim now to at four or five spot at the receiver position, especially with D. Eskridge not being able to make it back yet. He's taken the most advantage of his opportunities to this point among the seventh-round receivers Seattle brought in and certainly looks the part of an NFL wideout coming from the Division II level. And last here on the defensive side of the football, I mentioned him earlier, but you've got to throw out the name Josh Jones at safety. 
His big play today did not count. He had an interception that came off of a deflected pass that Will Disley should have caught. Drew Locke threw a perfect pass, and unfortunately, Disley got his hands on it. The ball bounced off of him, and Josh Jones was playing with a second-team defense today. He's gotten some first-team reps stepping in in nickel and dime sets on the practice field, but the veteran just keeps making plays. He caught the Karam intercept. He came up and made a couple nice hits against the run game today as well, consistently making plays in coverage. Everyone's got to remember, Josh Jones was a second-round pick coming out of NC State in 2017, and he had a Cam Chancellor-like skill set. This is a guy that's around 6'2", 6'3", 220 pounds, and he ran in the low 4'4s at that size. He's played free safety. He's played strong safety. He's got a long way to go to make sure that he can make this roster, but Ryan Neal's banged up right now. Marquise Blair has had some issues on and off coming back onto the field. He's gotten beaten coverage a few times. This is a prime opportunity for Josh Jones to continue to try to stake a claim to a roster spot. And he played well for the team end of last year when they needed him. Jamal Adams is hurt. Ryan Neal was hurt. Started and played really well against the Arizona Cardinals in the season finale. That flexibility that he has at his size with his athletic traits. Those are things you can't teach. And so he is a player that's on the uptick right now. I don't know that he makes this roster because of the depth they have in that position, but they're going to be playing a lot of three, maybe even four safety sets, putting Josh Jones in the field with Jamal Adams, Quandre Diggs, and Marquise Blair or Ryan Neal. Whatever they choose to do with that group, there's a lot of flexibility, and it just allows you to do a lot of different things schematically that should make this aggressive defense a lot of fun to watch this year. Now, on the other side of the equation, players that didn't necessarily help themselves in this mock game. I'm going to start at the quarterback position. I was going to try to avoid quarterbacks here because I already talked Geno Smith versus Drew Locke, but this was certainly a missed opportunity for Geno Smith in a competition that to this point hasn't really felt like a competition. It felt like that was coming, that Drew Locke was going to make a push here and make this interesting. But at this point, Geno Smith's got most of the first team reps he started camp off hot, and yet today kind of emulated his camp, had a really promising first drive, completing a lot of quick passes. And then after that, wheels kind of fell off a little bit. He was six for eight on that first drive. He only completed four of his last 11 passes in this mock game scrimmage. And most of them were just off target, not really drop issues. Had a couple that were probably throws he should have held onto the football that got broken up. Tariq Woolen almost intercepted him. So it was just not his best performance. And these scrimmages, when you're in a all-out quarterback battle like this that is considered to be a 50-50 proposition right now, you've got to take advantage of your reps. And there have been a lot of practices where both quarterbacks were pretty even. This was not one of them. Drew Locke had his best day, was slinging the ball over the place, throwing with accuracy, was decisive. It felt like Geno Smith was the opposite for a good portion of this. The last three possessions that he was under center, Seattle went three and out on all three of those possessions, and he just wasn't completing passes, held onto the football too long, got sacked on two of those. And if you get sacked in these games, it's usually because you ran out of time in the pocket. They're not going to be tackling guys in red uniforms, but just not a great day for him. Started well. Overall, though, it was a pretty disappointing performance. So he's going to have to step it up moving into practice this week, and he's got to be understanding that competition is on now. Drew Locke has got his boxing gloves on, and he's ready to go. He's ready to spar. 
Is Geno Smith going to be ready to fight back? He's going to need to because this was just not the performance he needed in this first mock scrimmage. And along the offensive line, Stone Forsyth did not play poorly today. I don't want our listeners to think that I'm calling him out saying that he struggled today. He gave up a few pressures, but the run blocking was not there. Anytime the Seahawks tried to run to the left side of the line when he was in, they just weren't getting much yardage. Running backs were either getting stuffed or having to try to bounce back. And the leverage issues for him at 6'8", they are still apparent. That is going to be a problem for him all the time, that he's going to have to battle guys getting underneath him. That is going to be problematic because this offense wants to run the football. Pass protection was fine, but it just feels like right now in that right tackle competition with what Abe Lucas showed today, what Jake Curhan has showed in an actual NFL game and regular season action last year, how well he's played most of training camp. This has been a three-horse race, and Stone Forsythe is still going to get some opportunities here. But it really feels like now that this is truly Lucas versus Curhan, which a lot of people going into camp probably already viewed it that way anyway. But Forsythe is probably playing for a swing tackle position at this point. Maybe he still gets some first-team reps at right tackle. But Charles Cross is the guy on the left side, and it looks like it's Lucas versus Curhan. So not enough on the field today from him to think that this is still a three-horse race, and maybe it still will be, but could have maybe gotten a little more out of today as far as Stone Forsythe is concerned. And in the secondary, kind of a similar situation. Artie Burns has been fantastic in training camp. His matchups against DK Metcalf have been must-see TV on the practice field. Get your popcorn ready. Those two, the intensity they both play with, the physicality, it's been a lot of fun. And Artie Burns is currently one of the starters. If the Seahawks had a game tomorrow, I think Artie Burns and Sidney Jones, if both are healthy, those are the guys that are going to be starting in that game. But there's not a game tomorrow, and we've still got a little over a month until the Seahawks are playing the Denver Broncos. So there's a thin margin of error for a player like Artie Burns. And got a couple of penalties today where he got too handsy, got defensive pass interference calls against him, and had some issues with players creating separation against him And so not necessarily the best game tape for him. I think he's still got a chance to win this starting job. But again, this is such a competitive cornerback group with Kobe Bryant, with Tariq Woolen. Mike Jackson had a good day today as well. He was another player I considered for the three up because he's had a good camp. And today played some really good defense and a couple of deep balls downfield, came up and stuffed a screenplay. He continues to quietly enjoy a pretty solid training camp in his own right, Trey Brown's going to eventually be back. So Artie Burns, another player. Hey, when you have these opportunities in a crowded position this competitive, you got to take advantage of those opportunities. And it felt like today was easily the worst day he's had since training camp opened. Again, it's just one day he could come back out here in their next practice and play really well. Uh, But that's something to monitor here. There's not a lot of margin for error with the competition there, with the talent, with the youth and the upside of that cornerback position. So again, kind of like Geno Smith. Hey, ball's in your court now, Artie Burns. Can you step up and play better when you return to the practice field? Respond to this. Just wasn't his best afternoon. And maybe dropped a little bit of a peg in terms of where he stands in that quarterback competition relative to the start of the regular season. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. Make sure to check out the Locked on Seahawks podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. And we're streaming five days a week on YouTube. Coming up on our Monday episode, I'll have a special guest host that will be joining me, and it's a bit of a roster reset. We're two weeks into training camp. 
going to be making our latest 53-man roster projections on offense and defense. You won't want to miss it. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thanks for listening. Go Hawks.